This podcast is part of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. To learn more, visit listenfrederick.com. And welcome back to part two of our interview with Michael Moore. I'm Brian Donahue, one of your co-hosts here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. And it is really my pleasure to introduce this episode because Michael Moore shares with us some very fascinating and uh, heart-touching stories about his experience uh, at conventions with puppets and how puppets interact with children and make them happy and make them calm. It's fascinating. It's wonderful. You get to hear more about what he's been involved in in other parts of the industry. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. So, so here, here's, some, here's something to add. Here's something to add to all that. You ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One word. Puppets. Okay. I also, you know, that, as I said before, that's one of my hobbies that I've been doing since mm-hmm. high school, okay, mm-hmm. I was offered a job out of high school with Henson, and I refused it because I wanted to be a, a horror makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't have the experience. But mm-hmm. I continued to to do that. I still today do puppets and stuff. Is that why your ringtone is a is a Muppet yes. song? Oh yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so right. the screen time thing, I'm just going to say the screen time thing. Holy cow, uh, keeping my kiddo, my, my 12-year-old off of screens is is impossible. We have to have, we have dedicated days yeah. and dedicated times. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly, especially, mm-hmm. you know, since the pandemic started, mm-hmm. uh, keeping him off of a screen is incredibly difficult. Right. Now, once he's off, once I tell him you're not allowed, like today is your screen-free day, he'll do, yeah. like, you know, sure. whatever. But uh. Oh, my, it's my kids are happier when they're not on the screen the whole time. The drawing that you just showed by your your child. Yes. Did 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 they just watch the balance of terror? No. Because that is because that is definitely <laughs> it looks very, very a, Romulan bird of prey. Like without, I say, I've got this the ship thing has the Romulan bird of prey, the original okay. Star Trek, and okay. they were just and it's that <laughs> silhouette type th- thing you were mm-hmm. talking about. Right. No, because. What you said about silhouette, well, that silhouette that was drawn, that that outline, to me, I know exactly yep. what I'm looking uh-huh. at. Yeah. So I know sure. exactly what I, so to me, that's like, this child knows what, what the perception of what it's supposed to, it may not be in perfect proportions, but the layout's all there. All yeah. the bits and yeah. pieces are there, and that's really amazing. So, so one of the other outlets that I always have, for, for me, because, you know, one thing for me is to if I'm really like, I just cannot concentrate. So I will try and start making puppets. Interesting. Now, every year for the past probably 15 years, I've been going for a lot longer than that. But for, for like the last 15 years, I go to San Diego Comic Con. I have gotten my wife into this and so on. And so we'll show up and we'll be carrying puppets. Like I have a, a, a Gonzo puppet. Nice. I have a I have a Rizzo the Rat puppet. I have a Fozzie <laughs> Bear, a Kermit oh the Frog, and my wife has a a Red Fraggle. <laughs> and we always have a lot of people who want to take pictures with them and everything. Um, but as as we always make it, 
it, the priority is, is children are first. Mm. And I can't tell you how many and some of the, the children that, that I used to greet 10 years ago are no longer with us. Uh, but they would go and, and their parents said the only reason their son wanted to come to Comic-Con every year was to see one of the puppets. Oh, cool. Oh, that's so nice. Um, and in fact, on their, the, the picture at their funeral was them with the mm. characters. Oh, wow. Um, but we also, at these conventions, as you know, there, you know, some parents are trying to come and have a little bit of fun, but they have to bring their, their children that are of special needs and mm -hmm. so on. Mm -hmm. Well, my wife and I, on many occasions, will stop because we, we may have a line of 15 or 20 people long. And we'll stop and go, sorry, we're going to take take a few minutes here with, with this child. And in many cases, we've had some children who are scrunched up in balls, mm. talking, you know, and, and their parents are like, yeah, this is how she normally is. Mm. And, you know, and this is actually too much for her. It's, it's too much. It's too loud. So we will get down and just talk to the child with the puppets. This one, one little girl, she was like totally, you know, doing the normal mm -hmm. like everything you can think of because she, she was overwhelmed. And we got her to focus on the red puppet. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely, she started actually answering questions wow. or responding to my wife with the puppet. And but she was responding to the puppet? To the puppet specifically. Yes. She was focusing. Mm -hmm. So in the end, her mother told us that that's the first words she said in two weeks. Wow. And that uh, she's never, you know, it, it takes hours and hours and hours for her to, from one point to another, to get yeah. into a, a point where she's not bundled up and not covering her ears and everything else. And she was so focused that her mother was in tears when she left. She got photos. She actually sat up and took photos with oh, Red. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And was holding her and everything mm -hmm. else while she was like, that, you know, my wife. Um, and then after that, of course, my, my wife, when they left, started crying. Yeah. And, of course, she had all the people... Hey, what about us? What we're taking a moment here. This is emotional. Come on, guys. Yes. Right. You know, but but it's things like that. I I always encourage and have built quite a few puppets and gave them to teachers mm. because in some cases, trying to teach a child of any kind, and it doesn't matter whether the smartest kid or a a child who has a learning disability, is that having a puppet that can talk to the child as an equal, Yeah, mm -hmm. you're going to get more information. My youngest son for the longest time was having trouble reading. So I had a little Elmo stuffed animal that I turned into a puppet for him. Mm -hmm. And he would sit there with Elmo and, and Elmo and him would read a book together. And slowly but surely, he would be talking just to Elmo and not my wife or me. And telling Elmo, no, no, that's that's the, not the, and so on. Mm -hmm. So 
it helped them as self-confidence wise. Yeah. Uh, getting words out or if they have issues, angry, you know, if they're angry if that's something. Mm-hmm. Well, mom, even though mom's sitting here with a puppet on her hand, mom doesn't understand what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it's like, oh, okay, Elmo understands, you know, that mm-hmm. type of thing. And it, and it helps a- across the board. Um, and it's like one of them is like this. <laughs> I, I, I wish I wish we had a little video of this. It's a simple little puppet that looks like a, I would say, described as a cupcake wearing a. They call him Muffin Man. <laughs> I'm What's Muffin it? Man. <laughs> That's, That's really great. amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's just a little hand control. Mm-hmm. But that could this this could easily be made. Anything like this could technically be made out of a sock right mm-hmm. and some yarn mm-hmm. and two buttons or something or even just black marker think things like this is what people think everything has to be elaborate and complicated i know you know some of the the, the just getting your point across to a child in some cases with mm-hmm. a puppet is 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 a hundred times easier yeah because it's a puppet yeah yeah and they'll explain why they don't understand something to the puppet before they're going to explain it to you. Right, because they feel safer talking to the puppet than a person. Right, because and they you're don't... gone, and you yeah. don't exist while you're yeah, talking. Yeah. The, the puppet yeah. comes yeah. to life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. I feel like I'm unexpectedly getting all these parenting tips tonight. So I got something for my 12-year-old. Oh, mm-hmm. And now for the four-year-old, right. we do have some issues, you know, like in terms of like his melting down. I'm going to bring out my puppets more because yeah. I don't, I, I really, we haven't touched them in a while. Oh, oh no, but it's not just that though. See, the puppets, okay, when when I bring this out in a crowd of adults, mm-hmm. I'm invisible. Yeah. And this puppet can tell you exactly what's wrong with you, and you will not get upset at this puppet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the two no. puppets I have here in my office with me, I actually have a robot puppet and like a supergirl puppet. Uh-huh. I bought kind of as a joke, uh, Early on in the pandemic, when we all went home to work from home, uh-huh. we don't have video cameras uh, or works. So we're on all these meetings, but we don't see each other. It's just audio. But then my manager, uh-huh. my management bought me and several of the other managers. They wanted us to have cameras. Of course. And at first I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want people to see me just because I'm not brushing my hair. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, yeah. this is a mess. I don't want to be seen. So I, ha- I came up with this joke where the first time we did it, and there are going to be a bunch of people who didn't have never seen me before. I would not present myself. I would just present the puppet and basically uh-huh. be like, yeah, this is what the pandemic did to me. And I didn't really do it in the big meeting that I was going to. I did it in a smaller meeting with people who yeah. knew me and just would mm-hmm. get a kick out of it. And, uh, but then my, my kids, especially the little one did enjoy the puppets, but we, um, I haven't touched them in a, I, I got, yeah. So next parenting tip number two is I'm going to bring out the puppets, especially because the four-year-old, he, he melts down and he doesn't want to talk to me and it's challenging. Stuffed animals have saved Mm -hmm. me at bedtime so many times because we don't, we don't have puppets. Uh, We've had a couple, you know, really, you know, cheap ones from the dollar store or whatever, but um, stuffed animals, I can, if my son in particular, I did it with my daughter a lot too when she was a little younger, but Mm -hmm. um, if he's having a rough night or has had a rough day, putting on a puppet show with the stuffies Mm -hmm. and creating my own, uh, own ad lib little story along the way, 
man, he lights up, mm-hmm. he smiles, he calms down. Like, you know, we laugh, especially mm-hmm. if we've had a hard day. My son came out of his mother, looked at me in the face and said, no. And uh, he's got spunk. He's super, he's sweet though, too. You know, he knows how to cuddle as good as anybody, but he's just, he's got it. He's really strong-willed. And there's mm-hmm. days when we kind of go at it as that happens. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, sometimes those stuffed animals were what brought us together and made mm-hmm. us laugh together and realize, hey, we're going to we're going to be OK, you know, and it's yeah. just it's magical. Yeah. Parenting yeah. tips on the big. Yeah, no, I, it's interesting you did all this. <laughs> I, I tell you, Michael, when when my girls were very little, all it took was a jock, a um, just a white, you know, uh, um, athletic sock. Uh-huh on the hand and let that do all the talking. And I would do the funny voices uh-huh. so that it would not be me doing the speaking. And it was as much entertainment as they ever needed, you know? And so you're right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something as simple as that. And I guess because with your prop manufacturing skills, you've been able to create these very interesting puppets that have really made a big difference for some people's lives. Well, yeah, but, but here's the thing though. Here's the thing, is when you put a puppet on your hand, okay, this is this is also good for you, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. When you have a puppet on your hand and you want to do something, but you feel self-conscious, yeah, okay, about doing it. Well, me, I'm self-conscious about seeing around people and stuff. Unless, of mm-hmm. course, I just kind of do something just to make people laugh. You put a puppet on your hand and you make, they're the ones singing now. So if you're off key, it's, they're off key. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's and true. So, and, and if you are frustrated mm-hmm. with your husband or your wife or whatever, <laughs> it makes it so much easier for you just to tell them what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because in some cases you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Marriage tips, mm-hmm. also on the don't, big side of my podcast. You more you, of that, yeah. You don't want to tell them mm-hmm. because you don't want to hurt their feelings, but the puppet don't care. <laughs> no. You know, <sighs> so it's it's that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But also, puppetry is a field mm. that anyone can get into. You know, this this is a rat rat skull. Mm. <laughs> and I even something even something as simple as this if you put two eyes on it even if you didn't cover it yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's enough and you just and you just put something on your hand there you're already you know it's yeah. already a puppet mm-hmm. so yep. they can continue talking and yeah. anything you want mm. so let me <laughs> let me can i can i ask a question steve go um, right ahead uh this has been fantastic. Thank you for talking to I'll, us. I'll complete um, tangent, yeah. <laughs> this, it fits right in. Fits right in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I I can hardly wait another second, Mr. Moore, without asking you about your experience on The Hobbit and working with Weta. Because okay. I am a, because of all of the uh, Lord of the Rings films, I have the special extended edition DVD set that has like, what they add a half hour, forty minutes on to each of those films. No idea. They shot okay. a lot. <laughs> yeah, and then and then I watched every second of the behind the scenes and totally fascinated by what a workshop. 
Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm just interested to know, um, was, did you have a good time? Was it, was it memorable? Um, and what are, what are maybe some of the pieces you created for the Hobbit? Okay. Well, first of all, working at Weta for anyone who is, hasn't worked at Weta, how about that? Mm-hmm. Anyone who hasn't worked at Weta or any place else, working at the Weta workshop was amazing. Working with a Richard Taylor, I mean, I, I had already met Richard Taylor mm-hmm. here at my own shop when I was helping with, with some other projects uh, for his uh, collectible side of the, of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a different environment to an extent because it's very artistically minded there, mm-hmm. understanding the silhouettes, understanding the, you know, that you're creating for a, a world that isn't earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's many, it's, there's many aspects. The, the other thing about it was, is I was being brought in to work on, on the show, maybe show them some of the stuff that I do. They were going to show me some of the stuff, but I wasn't in charge. Mm-hmm. See, so after all these years of being the person who's in charge of everything, I'm now the worker going to create what it is. Mm. And is this when you had you did this work when you had HMS, right? Yes. So, yes. so you were okay. So yeah, now, I, yeah. I, so now you're part of their organization. You're not running things from HMS. Well, yeah. So basically, during HMS. When I had a transition from my other business partner, because it was HMS as a DBA company originally mm-hmm. with, okay. with Steve Horch. Well, he passed away. And before he passed away, we turned HMS into a corporation. Okay. Um, and then shortly after he passed away, Richard Taylor came by the shop, wanted to discuss some things that he was doing because we also were working with a company called EFX mm-hmm. uh, that makes collectibles and, and, and telling them how we would do this and so on. Uh, as, and that's when he asked me if I'd like to come down and work on the Hobbit. Okay. And I said, sure. So my wife was here with our entire crew and I went down to New Zealand and worked with him there. Mm, gotcha. Okay. okay. Um, so, and, and, and once again, it was, uh, for me, it was a lot of fun because once again, I wasn't in charge, you know, <laughs> tell me what you want. Let me do it. Um, <laughs> which I, which I did. And on the Hobbit, I did, um, uh, for river town. I'm amazed. Yeah. I actually remember that it's called river town. Um, uh, we did in, in the shop, I think we did like 400 different individually made hand props like like a big giant uh, mallet and spears and Mm. shields and everything else that the river town people had made Mm -hmm. um i also uh made most of the the orc shoes or feet fascinating i wouldn't think of that (laughs) Yeah, well, you got yeah, you got to think of outside the box. You got creating a new, creating worlds. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else did I work? I also worked on the white wog and the brown wog. Oh. Okay. And that's what those were the wool, the the the, the orc wolves. Yeah. That they were riding. 
what else did I work on? I worked on a bunch of different stuff, hmm. you know, because I was back and forth going into here, going into there, doing this, doing yeah. that. Um, uh, also worked on some shields, worked on some some uh, dwarven axes, just a whole variety of stuff. Basically, once it, like here, you want me to work on what? Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I did uh, recreations of Legolas's um, his, his, a, uh, two swords that mm -hmm. he has on his back. So I recreated those those uh, sheaths for it. Okay. For, cool. for, for it. I don't mm -hmm. remember if you... Was he in it in The Hobbit? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, that's why. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, what do I got to make? It's okay. I don't care what film it is. Just I'll make it. Well, no, no, because at the at, at the point is is you know I'm I'm not as concerned when I look when I get a project in. Okay, I want to know. I don't care who it's for. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to know what's it made out of. What's it going to be used for? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be a stunt? Mm. You know what what are they doing with it? Yeah, because mm -hmm. I want to make sure if I'm building something. I might be doing the hero version of it first, and then we're going to mold it and make rubber copies. Right, right, right. So I want to make sure that I'm doing it in such a way because mm -hmm. uh, I think about the molding process as well as I see. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You know? Interesting. So, so that's because for my side of it, I run my own shop. Yeah. So therefore, I'm thinking about okay, what's the less expensive way that I can cut time off of this to get it done mm -hmm. on time. And that's one of the reasons why I was there to kind of give a, my view of how things could be done on the projects I was working on. I say, are you a typically, a typically a fan of the movies and shows that you work on? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, always. Yeah. Always. So, so do you consider yourself a Trekkie? <laughs> well, okay. I work. I've I've been working on Star Trek since the first season of Next Generation, through DS9, mm -hmm. through yes. Voyager, Enterprise. Okay, mm -hmm. and then I'm, we're just talking about TV shows now. Mm -hmm. So, and then I worked on stuff. You know, a lot of stuff and and little stuff here and there for yep. uh, Discovery season one and two. Um, I didn't work on the Picard stuff, which, which I was like, eh. um, but I worked on, uh, as far as movies, there was a movie before generations, first contact insurrection, oh, wow. nemesis, uh, worked on the first JJ movie. Um, Fantastic. so you worked, you worked with Ru Russell Bobbitt. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, but but I also other other science fiction shows I've worked on mm -hmm. are Space Above and Beyond. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked on Total Recall, mm -hmm. the original one or the new one, the the, or the original new. Arnold one. Okay, mm -hmm. the Arnold <laughs> Love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we did this, and the company I was working for, we did the spacesuits, uh, the and and the miners' helmets and the police helmets. Mm. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, on a movie like that, you know, I guess a typical movie. How many different like prop making companies like yours does a typical? Because you're you're doing only, you know, a handful of props. So obviously, there's other companies doing more. Like, how many companies are employed? 
it could be anywhere from none besides what's on on staff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It could be just one other. It could be as many as there are out there. Wow. You know, on on Star Trek Discovery, I believe there was five companies doing props for the first season. Wow. Do you guys trade work a bit or? Okay. Well, see, it's very competitive. (laughs) Yeah. See, I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) Whereas I'm, see, I'm the kind of guy that like, say you come to me with a job mm-hmm. that I know that Jimmy down the street could do a better job on. Mm-hmm. I will tell them I can do it, but I think your best bet is to go with them because sure. that's more in lines with their type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most shops do not do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure, most most yeah. shops are very much, that's a trade secret. I can't tell you what our yeah, secret yeah. Krylon pain is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That type of thing. I, yeah. I'm the kind of person who is uh, on a production. I want to save people money and time. Yeah. You know, I want to be the guy who's not yeah. trying to be the lack of a better term, the butthole mm-hmm. uh, and say, no, no, no. Um, they can't possibly do it. They yeah. don't know what they're doing, which, you know, once again, is I don't know what all everybody's capabilities are, but I know mm-hmm. people who work for almost every single one of those companies and I'm friends with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I hear the politics and it's like, look, you know what? I don't want to deal with politics. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to do the job or not? It's up to oh, you. You're sure. the one with the, with the purse yeah. strings, not me. So that's, that's fair. So then thinking again, I'm, I'm thinking primarily Starship. What's been your, I would say uh, favorite episode or, or movie to work on and maybe not necessarily favorite as in the, the plot of the show maybe it was the, the your favorite props to work on or the most satisfying where you, where you got done with this and you were like this is the best work we've ever done uh well yes yeah, that's kind uh, of a lot um <laughs> it, well yeah i mean because you're talking about you know uh what there's so much yeah next gen the assigned voyager <laughs> enterprise and okay. uh this discovery so we're talking about you know, as far as so the first four, mm-hmm. we're talking about seven seasons of, of 24 episodes mm-hmm. each, each season. Okay. What if I narrowed it so, down to next gen? Because next gen was my favorite. Okay. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. People are going to, you're going to get hate mail now. No, we, we've talked, no, we've talked about, we have different favorites here and mm-hmm. we've talked about, it's okay. We're allowed to like and dislike. Yeah. And, and that's and that's the way you should think about it. Mm-hmm. It's just a TV show. Right. Yes. right. It's a great TV show. <laughs> Okay, so for for next generation, I I mean there's there's hundreds of props for next generation, mm-hmm. but I think one of them uh, that I really liked doing uh, was the Picard Borg arm. Oh, nice, cool. Okay, low cutest. Um, for DS Nine, I would mm-hmm. say, and 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 I'm not going to talk about tricorders and phasers because mm-hmm. that's just okay. over over here mm-hmm. and you know so for ds9 i think the one thing that i liked making mm-hmm. there were two of them there was one which is a medical device where they were operating on veretic burial or mm-hmm. bri- whatever the guy's name is veretic burial um, and you know how his one half of his brain died so they went mechanical okay. and they were going to put another mechanical on the other side because well the <laughs> device that he lays down into that has like these things pointing down building that because that was 
drawn out, but it was a, for some reason, nobody in a shop can conceptualize it in mm. their brain. Mm. When I build anything, I visualize it. Mm -hmm. And and that's Pretty why it, it, that's why it works. <laughs> um, but, but then also on DS9, there was also the, the um, auto torture device where it's just this oh, like this this yeah. thing that does this and then it has these three pieces you attach to it and it keeps him from being able to transform uh, into yes. a fluid. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and and that was a one of those, oh yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. That's you fantastic. Know, you, 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 you always forget about the pain you went through for most stuff. <laughs> it's like women, it's like when you have a baby, you forget about all that stuff of uh... pushing it out. No, I haven't forgotten all this. <laughs> yeah. Many, many. Yeah. Uh, many yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or if you, or, so, or passing a kidney stone. Right. There you go. <laughs> Thank God it's gone. <laughs> so, um, but, so, but it's, and, and then Voyager. Yes. Once again, not talking about phasers or, or yeah. tricorders. Um, I really liked the, um, the Herogen rifles, but also the smart bomb. It was a big, four over four feet long bomb that oh, okay. the doctor interacted with, and it you know finally realized that it was you know sentient to a point, and then it exploded because he wanted to save you know. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, <laughs> very interesting. It's it's so it's all kinds of stuff. And then on uh, then on Enterprise, see, we did they took ninety percent of everything, everything we did for the other shows and repainted it. No. Uh -huh. So there were a mm -hmm. few. There were a few pieces like we did the original, very first, uh, the communicators they had. Mm -hmm. we did the we did the um, the scanner, the hand scanners. We did a oh, bunch cool. of stuff. Cool. You know, yeah. so it, like on every show, you just do a bunch of stuff. But see, during that time, we were also working with Star Trek wardrobe on on every single one of those shows. Yep. So we'd also yeah. help make costume pieces. Like we made all the communicators. Mm. for next gen all of them for ds9 all of them for for uh Sweet. voyager all nice. of them you know mm -hmm. so but but for ds9 one of the favorite shows okay was the trials and tribulations mm. right mm -hmm. okay because because we got the chance to recreate phasers the communicators mm -hmm. and the tricorder mm -hmm. nice as well that's as a, awesome as well yeah, as a really spot built ray generator from the original series mm-hmm so we had a lot of fun with that. That's cool. That's cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this because we kind of get to a point of wrapping things up. Is Even there, though there are a thousand more questions, I we know ask. a thousand. <laughs> um, what is the future of you, and what's the future of uh, HMS in prop making? Uh, I mean, is it you know is there a time where you might look and say, okay, I'm about ready to retire. Who's going to turn it over? Or you know, how do you you know, keep the the company going forever and ever, hopefully. Well, okay. Uh, well, the company has never stopped. Uh, unlike what some people have said in, in, the, in the past. Oh, well, your company's, you haven't been in business in five years. Like, really? I just got done doing, working on, uh, um, what was it, Bullet Train. So, yeah. Oh, no. yeah, that oh, just came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Doing stunt jewelry, mm -hmm. of all things. Wow! Um, Fascinating. And then some other show we just did, uh, you know, doing the stunt TV. What is stunt jewelry? 
Well, jewelry. <laughs> just well, over. okay. If you have a ring on your finger, <laughs> yeah. And it, and if you're doing a stunt somewhere, and there's like something to catch your ring, well, that ring is going to end up stretching and, and then peeling the, everything off of your bone. Okay, that's, I guess that's you. a that's a okay. very that's a very big uh, danger with with woodworkers and metal workers yeah. is having a, a ring on is not a good idea. But yeah. so we would take this ring and make a mold and make them in rubber. Okay. So a little easier to work with. Same thing safer. with belt buckles and, mm. and uh, necklaces and everything else. Mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. Interesting. So Interesting. Um, I, I don't have at this moment any intention of retiring per mm -hmm. se. Only because once again, I'm that guy who just can't sit there and right. do to do to do. <laughs> I need to be doing something creative. Mm -hmm. um, uh, at this moment, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm not here, uh, my wife would be doing probably still being in charge of it. My sons really don't have. The, the wanting to do it. Okay. Um, so in the end, probably it might might go away, or it might be that somebody comes up and goes, "Want to buy your company?" Mm -hmm. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I yeah. always look at I look at every aspect. Yeah. Now the um the one fellow uh, I follow on Facebook, Steve Neal, uh -huh. he he makes reproduces uh, masks and and pieces like that, yeah. at which he sells. Um, yes. So, you know, there's, there's, if I'm certain that if you had the ability to recreate some of the props and sell them, people would love to buy them because to wow. hold something like a communicator or a phaser like that in their own hands. Well, we actually deal. did. Mm -hmm. We actually used to manufacture for uh, Roddenberry Productions. Okay. Oh. They had an online store that we, mm -hmm. would, we would manufacture a select set of props from the different shows mm -hmm. that they would we would do as kits and they would retail them out okay nice. um, and then uh as well as i work with playmates when when they call mm -hmm. i work with i work with different companies to, to do prototyping mm -hmm. uh, like i said efx you know they have mm -hmm. the star wars license and a few others mm -hmm. um and uh so we do prototyping for all those types of companies. Mm -hmm. um, I have an archive. I don't know if you've if you've checked out my my um, YouTube channel or not, mm -hmm. or or my Propology One Hundred One um, Facebook page. But there, you know, occasionally I'll post pictures of a, a side of a room that's full of boxes. Uh, I have a full archive of most of the props, the original sculptures mm -hmm. from Next Generation DS9 and Voyager mm -hmm. Enterprise. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, interesting. As well as a uh, a photo archive that is right now at about I think it's at 5 terabytes right now. Wow. Okay. Okay. And, and some of those are scans from mm -hmm. my negatives and some of them are Mm -hmm. after the digital world came about mm -hmm. uh starting with the with the quote high quality images that were 300k <laughs> <laughs> but still you know large enough that you can right. actually see things so i 
in in the future if I can arrange it. This mm-hmm. is the major point. If I can arrange it, uh, my goal as far as for my photo archive is to do uh, a series of like coffee table books. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, Ooh, nice. but that's but that's all dependent on CBS and Paramount whether they're willing to license yes. that or not. Yes, right. yes, yeah, you have to clear if that's. Yeah, I mean, I, I technically own all the photography. Mm-hmm. Okay. I technically own all the photography because I've never signed a release of, of ownership on yeah. design or anything else. Right, but they get right. into copyright rules and things like that. So, yeah. Well, it's it, intellectual property. Yeah. Intellectual. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I actually own the copyright on my images. I just don't own necessarily the content. Mm-hmm under yeah. intellectual property law so it's very well the, hence, hence the reason why it would have to be them going yes sure. you can do it yeah well you know it's it's your legacy it's your history it's what you've done they can't take it away from you because every time someone watches an episode of one of the series that you did we might be seeing your prop right there and mm-hmm. you know i uh you, may, maybe we don't notice it but you have that right of going Oh yeah, I remember that. I made that. Mm-hmm. I, that was that was really neat, you know. And that's yeah. the thing. So, and, and that's what that, that's why I do the videos also on my YouTube is because there's a lot of misconception, you know, out in fandom about what was this and how this was that. And that that was a that that was a uh, a wash basin from you know Walmart or whatever. And it's like yeah. no Walmart what didn't exist back then, guys. Sorry. Yep. Nope. You had to make it. It was a custom made so. piece. Yep. Um, yep. And and in some cases there are stuff that we do use. That is like we bought it from the store and and, and did yep. a few things to it. But most all I, of it I, is from uh, most from of it's custom conception to yeah. completion. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And and I go through the history on 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 the video on the videos I've done so far. Cool. We'll make sure we'll make sure we have links to that. I'll find all That's those, good. and we'll make sure people can look at all that stuff and um, learn more about what to do. So, um, well, in closing, from this wonderful interview, Michael, it's been a pleasure to have had you on our show. We the I'd like to say the Fab Four, but poor we're, we're missing one right now. <laughs> of the big sci-fi podcasts, are only end users of what you do. We are the ones that look at a phaser, a sword, a magical device that was created for for a film or a TV show to give it reality. The items that have made are not, even though you just said it, are not purchased in the store, but are created in the mind that says, "Yep, I can do that." And when in the you know when you're able to see your work being done it must give you great satisfaction in that prop that is now part of our reality because to us the viewer what you make gives us the reality in fiction or fantasy a lightsaber would be nothing it was not for the craftsmanship of those who made it post-production may add in the light from it but the hand that machined it that assembled it that gave it reality that's what you do and and People sometimes forget how important a prop is in a film or TV show. So with that, is there any other closing thoughts from Brian or Adina here? Um, I I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm inspired Mr. Moore to make sure I'm doing more puppets with my kids. 
mm-hmm. um, as a way to inspire them, encourage them, and give them an outlet for expressing themselves too. Um, and at the very least, your story is inspiring to me as a father to yeah. make sure I'm listening to my kids more yeah. um, in, in making sure they have freedom to express themselves and learning how to creative ways to let them do that because um, their voice is important. What they feel, what they're going through is important. So thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm going to say ditto on the puppet. I'm going to break out the puppets way more often <laughs> with my kids. And then beyond that, my, my head is just full. And, you know, I really, next time I, I turn the TV on, I'm going to be watching with a, you know, I, I feel like I'm detail oriented, but I really don't think, uh, I really think deeply about, I thought, I thought about what goes into making these shows, but I really don't know as much as I think I, you know, I'm, I might have, um, just watching some of the, you know, behind the scenes is just not, not enough. You know, mm-hmm. it's talking to people mm-hmm. like you, I really learn learn a few things. So thank you. And I'd like to close by saying, um, you know, we get into these discussions with guests like yourself that come on the show. And, you know, there there were there were questions that we had that that I'd written up to ask you. But you know, in the end result, what you talked about, the story you told about the puppet, how it reacted with a child. We, we really hopefully are sharing some life lessons on this this broadcast and that people can walk away maybe picking up some of the ideas that you came up with for interacting with children, as we've all just said, and maybe have an improvement in their lives because the next great artist is just waiting in the wings to stand forward and show their skills and their abilities, either it's in art or in music or prop making, whatever it might be, uh, as long as there is encouragement from a mentor or an adult, a parent or anyone else, um, the world gets a little bit better. And that's what's special. And so thank you very much for helping to make the world a little bit better with what you do. And uh, with that, I close by saying thank you again for listening to the Big Big Sci-Fi Podcast. It is our true pleasure to share with you our thoughts, and we'd like to hear what you think about as well. We hope that you've enjoyed our interview with Michael, and we'll share your thoughts on this and our other podcasts via our Facebook page or our email address of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast at gmail.com. And with that, we are, as always, Brian and Adina, and we wish Chris was here as well. When I leave you with these parting thoughts from the film, The Thing from Another World, look to the skies.